We want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you'll be both encouraged and challenged. If you enjoy what's happening at Cowboy Junction, it would really help us out if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com give. We hope you enjoy this message. We're in a series called BLESS, and it's an acronym, B-L-E-S-S. It's something our staff has really worked on. And we're, lo- we're looking at five ways to bless your community, five ways to be a blessing. And last week, we kicked this series off, and, oh, it was so close. And, and we talked a lot about what is bless and w- how we decided as a staff that we were going to introduce this to our church. This is a church culture change, okay? This is a moment when things shift. Let me give you an idea of what I'm talking about. If you were to ask anybody who's going to Cowboy Junction for a while, if you were to walk up and say, what do y'all do at Cowboy Junction? They would tell you this, we love God, we love love people, and there's no limits to what we can do. That's our mission statement. We believe it. We don't just make it up and then wipe it away. We live it. We talk about it all the time. We introduce every message. We close every message with, we love God, we love people, and there's no limits. It has directed the decisions we've made on what we do as a church. We love God, we love people, and there's no limits to what we can do. But what we introduced last week is we've introduced this new culture. It's not our mission statement. It is the culture of what we want to be, what we want to talk about, what we do around here. And we now also add to the love God, love people, no limits. We talk about we want to make sure that we help people find their way back to God. If they've drifted from God, if they've walked away from a faith, if they've walked walked away from their knowledge of the Lord and and they've just got lost in, in all the world confusion, we still want to believe that they can help, we can help find their way back to God. If, if they've never heard of Jesus before, and that amazes me because Lee County is basically the last hole in the buckle of the Bible belt, okay? We're still a part of this little central part, but we're right on the edge, but it amazes me how many people I run into that have never heard the story of Jesus before. And we as a culture, we're going to talk about this from now on at Cowboy Junction. We love God, we love people, and there's no limits to what we can do, but we help people find their way back to God. That's that's our mission around here. And we're going to do this through the BLESS series, and we're going to talk about the BLESS series every year, and it's going to be something that we just know what to do. And last week, we talked about the B in BLESS, and we begin with prayer. And I, I relieved everybody, and I said, listen, we're going to be people who witness. We're going to be people who share our faith with others. But for the next four weeks, don't do it. Just relax. And everybody went, good, because I know this can be something that we, it can be kind of terrifying to us, but it shouldn't. It shouldn't. And we as pastors and we as leaders want to equip you with a tool that we feel like is very important. And the first one is we begin with prayer. We pray for ourselves. Holy Spirit, turn me into a soul winner. Let me be conscious of the people around me who sometimes I just assume everybody knows you. Sometimes I just assume everybody has a relationship with with you. Remove that assumption and let me really know. Show me how to be a light in a dark world, how to be salt in this earth. 
And so we talked about begin with prayer. Begin by praying for yourself. Begin also by praying for other people. As soon as Holy Spirit begins to show you the, the worlds and the situation, the offices and, and the people, all of a sudden we begin to pray for them. And that's the, that's the key, most important thing. If we don't begin with prayer, we can't be the people that God wants us to be. But today we're going to start talking about the L and the E, okay? Uh, and, but before I do, I want to say a few things. Once again, I want to talk to everybody who would say, I'm not sure if I believe in God. I'm not sure. I've got questions. I've got issues. I come with baggage. There's some choices I've made and some identities that I've, I've just accepted about myself. And I've just assumed that God wasn't interested in me. There will be somebody in your life, I promise. This is a promise from God himself. This is how much he loves you. There will be somebody at some point in your life who shares their faith with you. And this isn't just a person thing. This is something that Holy Spirit has set up. And before you make yourself an identity, before you give yourself a, a lifestyle, I want you to stop and realize God wants to interrupt your life, and he's probably going to use a person to do it. And they're going to share their faith with you. And if we watch too much TV and we see too much on, t on, on, on movies, the first assumption we're going to have is when someone shares their faith with you and tells you about Jesus, it's an offense. It's, a, it's so offensive if somebody should share their faith. And let me just, this is what I told everybody. If you're in the room and you would say, I think I'm a seeker. I think I'm a seeker. Let me, from my standpoint, interject something about what I would consider a really cool thing about someone sharing their faith with you. And this is what, for every seeker in the room, I want you to get this. Telling someone about Jesus is the greatest compliment that you could ever give them. If someone ever has been praying for you and you find out they've been praying for you, if there's ever been someone who shares their faith with you, if there's ever someone who just keeps showing up at, at your front door, showing up and, and, and inviting you to go eat with them, talk to them, tell me your story, it, trying to get to the point of just asking a question, have you ever thought that the God of the universe knows who you are have you ever thought that we're all lost? We've all, not one of us, have earned a right to be saved. We are all sinners. But God, in his love, gave his son Jesus to be the bridge so that through his blood we can get back to the perfect plan that God has in his identity for us, his direction for our life, his His choices for us and it's his best and when someone shares this story which we call the gospel or the good news this is good news for the world it's actually a compliment to you and what do i mean by compliment i'm actually telling you that this is someone telling you how much you matter to them this is the greatest gift you'll ever receive in the form of not anything we can do but what only what god's done for us we consider this something we didn't earn, we didn't do. It's literally the greatest compliment anyone ever did for us by sharing the story of Jesus to us, and we'd like to share it with you. Don't ever look at this as a negative situation or something that, that we would look down on you. This is actually someone saying, I'd like to tell you something that I think is the greatest thing anybody ever shared with me. So I wanted to share that today with all my friends who would consider themselves probably a seeker, okay? Okay. But now I want to turn to the church. 
If you're in this room and you would say, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I'm not perfect, but I'm growing every day in knowing him and knowing his way and knowing what, what he wants for my life. When it comes to sharing your faith, it could be one of the most intimidating things in the world, okay? You, we would want that for Heather or Jeff or whoever, but this is a story all of us are in, okay? And I'd like to turn to all the believers in the room, and I'd like to say this. Evidence of maturity as a follower of Jesus is evangelism. Across the board. It's, it's a sign that you have come to a place in your life that Holy Spirit would say, all right, now that we've built a trust and we've built a relationship, you know me and I know you, you celebrate what I've done in your life and, and I celebrate what I've done in your life, I now want to turn to you and ask you to trust me to use you to tell others about me. And we love that and are so uncomfortable with it at the same time. But this goes for everyone that has accepted Christ as your Savior. How do you think the person who told you about Jesus, what do you think they had to work through? How much faith do you think it took for them to share their faith with you? The courage, the prayer, the confidence to make that moment of maybe inviting you to eat or possibly starting a conversation or inviting you to church. Rejection stinks and nobody wants to experience it. But, but, think for a minute if it was to just stop with you and it's never been like that. The person who told you someone had to tell them and someone had to tell them, someone had to tell them and someone had to tell them to the point to where every person who has ever accepted Christ as their Savior can follow their spiritual lineage back to someone telling someone all the way back to Jesus himself. That is amazing if you think about it. And if you were to be the one that said, oh man, I'm so glad I know Jesus, but it was to stop with you. That is not the story that God wants to tell about your life and it's not really the story you want to tell about your life. This is a faith thing. This isn't a do it out of obligation thing. This isn't a do it because you're a Christian thing. This is a do it because it's a faith thing. Do you trust God to line it all up, set it all up, give you the words to say, and then anoint you as the words that come out of your mouth? The person probably can't even hear what you're saying but there's something in the way that you're saying that is touching the sweet spot of their heart and it's coming together in a way that only Holy Spirit could do it. Can you all put that back up there real quick? Evidence of maturity as a follower of Jesus is evangelism, telling others about Jesus. And so let me just introduce some stuff. This is the BLESS series, B-L-E-S-S. And the five things that we're covering is last week we talked about begin with prayer, praying for ourselves and praying for others. This week, we're going to cover listen and eat, okay? Listen and eat. And next week, Pastor Jeff's going to come, and he's going to speak on eat and serve. It's two completely things, two types of eating that I want you to look at in two different scenarios. And this week, we're going to talk about listen and eat, and next week, he's going to talk about eat and serve. And then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to wrap up one of my favorite parts in you telling your story. 
every person in the, within the sound of my voice who've accepted Christ as your Savior has a story. And you may not like your story. And you may not think you have a good story. And I'm going to turn to you and say, if Jesus gave it to you, it's a story worth telling. Okay? And we're going to get to that in a couple weeks. We talked about begin with prayer, and this week we're going to talk about listen. What is listening? The value of listening is one of the most important qualities a follower of Christ Jesus can have. Okay? Because if we can't listen, we can't grow. And the unfortunate thing about listening as Christians is we're actually known more for what we want to say than actually the ability to listen to the people around us. So come on, think about this for a minute. In today's day and age, through, through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, Christians are known for and encouraged to make a statement. Facebook is saying, we gave you a platform, say something. Instagram is saying, we gave you a platform, say something. Twitter is saying, say something. Here, you got permission. Just type it out. Hit send. Everybody gets to read it. And in today's day and age, it really wasn't like this when I was growing up. Think back to the 80s, the 90s. Uh, we were great listeners. We may not have, we may not have been selective listeners, but in today's day and age, we are encouraged to speak. And Christians are known more for what they're saying than the ability to listen. And that's not a bad thing. It really isn't. It's just that we've lost our art to be able to pay attention to a few things. And the art of listening is this beautiful thing that I want you to pay attention to. Let me read you a few things. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 2. Super easy scripture to find, super easy scripture to memorize, and it talks to us about listening. It says, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. This is a short little scripture, but it's a book of wisdom scripture. It is a a wisdom key, if you will. It's saying make your ear attentive. It means let it perk up. Let it steer in the right direction. And it says make it attentive to wisdom, which there is a voice that is speaking. And if, if we have the ability to listen, we will grow in this voice, and that voice is wisdom. Lady Wisdom is trying to teach us what to do. Lady Wisdom is trying to show us things we can't see, we don't know. And if we can make our ear attentive and we can be drawn to wisdom, it says that we can incline our heart to understanding, which just the ability to be able to listen causes our ear to hear to wisdom, and it actually has the ability of changing our heart. In Proverbs 25, verse 12, it says, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. It's saying, do you understand that when you look at somebody's hands and you see gold or you look at the rings on their ears, we recognize the value of gold so easily. We do this with our eyes. But do you have the ability with your ears to recognize something as important? A listening ear to someone speaking bringing wisdom, bringing understanding. It's just as valuable as your eye catching someone wearing gold. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 27, it says, cease to hear my instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge, which means close your ears and open your mouth and find 
that you will actually drift away from the Father and the words of knowledge that he has. God wants to stir our ability to listen. And I have to stop myself often from the ability to speak more than I have to have the ability to listen. I sometimes have the microphone way too long. People ask me a lot of questions. Sometimes they ask me to respond to emails or texts. And one of the things that can happen in my life, this is me be real honest, I can be a better communicator than a listener. And when you do this, it's not a bad thing, but it can be a dangerous thing when you have the ability to shut your ears off and not have the ability to listen. Your marriage needs more listening and less talking. Your kids need you to listen more and less talking. Let me just tell you, my two boys are on the front row, and one of the things I've always dreamt of, can I just tell you, I've told them this, I've dreamt of being a dad my whole life. I remember being 13 years old when prayer really captured my heart. And what did I begin to pray for? The woman I was going to marry and the kids we were going to have. I knew from a long time we would have two boys. I had them named by the ninth grade. Okay? It was Bubba Mike and Butch Spike. <laughs> Seriously. Am I right? Bubba Mike and Butch Spike. Yes. They were going to be rodeo cowboys for Jesus. They were going uh, go down the list, all these things. And, and God had other plans, and it started with their names. Mom was smart enough to know that Bubba Mike was never going to exist, and Butch Spike wasn't either, and we got Brady and Hudson, okay? And, and they're, better, they're better than anything I could have ever wanted. They're better than anything. But one of the dreams I had is I couldn't wait to coach them. I couldn't wait to sit them down and tell them, all the wonderful things I have seen in my life. I couldn't wait to show them mistakes and victories. I couldn't wait to coach and coach and coach and coach and coach and coach. I wanted to watch movies with them. I wanted to start with Rocky 1 and go to Rocky 2, stay on Rocky 3 for a long time. Rocky 4 was pretty good, and then Rocky 5, we wouldn't even mess with it, okay? There was a lot of things that Dad, I wanted to sit down and explain Scripture and show, and all of these things sound great. Wouldn't you think they all sound great? But what I found was, if I do all the coaching and no listening to my children, they can only hear so much, and me as a dad can only teach so much, but I'm dealing with two individuals, and my quality as a dad, the hardest part, is being able to stop and listen. And they'll tell you that. They, they've told me many times, Dad, quit coaching us. Could you just listen? It's caused many of arguments in our home. Dad, stop. Why do you have to coach all the time? And some people in the room would say, I wish I had a dad that coached me. I wish I had a dad that taught me something. And so my boys are learning that. It's a valuable thing to have a dad that wants to show you the kingdom of God and show you how to honor God and show you how to make good decisions, show you how to do things. But me as a dad, I'm missing my audience's heart if I don't have the ability to listen to them. What's your heart, Brady? What, what's your heart, Hudson? What's your dreams? What has God put on your heart? The ability to listen is half of the leadership that God's given you. One half is to teach. The other half is to listen. It's very important. So in this blessed series, we've talked about uh, begin with prayer. Now we're talking about listening. But the question that comes up is what do we listen for? What do I listen for? 
Number one, we listen for the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what you listen for. You listen for the Holy Spirit, and sometimes it's silence. I had to count in my head to 10 because it was so hard not to talk. Did you feel the uncomfortableness? Did you feel the awkwardness? And the dangerous thing about silence is that sometimes it gets too uncomfortable. And when it does get so uncomfortable that you can't stand the silence, we've probably moved into a place where there always has to be chatter in our life. But silence is, a, is one way that we wait for Holy Spirit to speak to us. Another way that we wait for Holy Spirit is we ask him, will you touch my ears? And Holy Spirit wants to speak to every person's ears in this church. He wants to teach you how to listen for the things that he has already set up to be, to be even more tuned in to him. As a pastor, I want you to know that my silence with Holy Spirit is very important. But one of the things that blesses me a lot about listening to Holy Spirit is he'll tell me, move into this area, like go to the gym or go to a staff meeting or go sit down with your wife, or go out to eat here. And I will obey because through my silence, I know where to go and I know what to do. But when I get there, he quits speaking. And that makes me nervous. But when I get there, if I do all the talking, I'm not able to listen to something that he wanted me to hear when I was there. I can't tell you how often I've gone to the gym. And Holy Spirit said, just go this morning, just go. And I go and I'm doing my stretching. We're about to receive the workout, the workout of the day, the wad. And, and I just know I'm supposed to be there for a reason. And someone will start talking about a fear they have or anxiety they have or something they're worried about or a question that they might have. And instantly I'll know if I was talking all the time, I would have never heard them talk about that. And it gives me a door of opportunity to now step in and to see if they would like to go out to eat. Right. Would you like to go eat? And we could talk about that. I know, I know you were talking about raising kids. We've raised some kids. I know that you, 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 you're married. I, I've been married before too, one time. And, and uh, I, I have questions about God. My whole life's been questions about God. I loved it. That's one of my favorite topics of all. But if I was talking, I could have never listened. There are conversations happening all around you and all the places you go. And if we do all the talking and don't do all the listening, there are people right now basing their lifestyle choices on questions they have. And if we don't stop and have the ability to listen, we're not going to be able to direct them in the perfect plan that God has for their life. We've got to pray for our ears. That the Holy Spirit can cause us to be at the places to hear things that we couldn't hear on our own. Next one. We pray for Holy Spirit that he would change our heart. That we would learn how to forgive others. That we would learn how to walk in grace and truth. This is a very Holy Spirit thing. Let me talk to all the teenagers, all the teenagers in the room. I want to turn to you and tell you that there's going to be days you walk in the house and mom's going to ask you, what'd you learn today? What happened at school today? And the first thing that's going to jump out is you're going to want to just talk about all the negative things that happened. Well, you can't believe what Betty did. Betty just, I walked into the room and Betty did this and she talked to Susie and Susie said this and all of a sudden Betty and Susie were going back and forth and I gave them a look. <laughs> and for the rest of the day, I just, I, just, I just gave her that look. For the rest of the day, we didn't even talk to each other. And you do realize, do you realize that everything you just said was true? It was a horrible day. It was an awful day. But it wasn't the only thing that happened that day. 
And sometimes we, I'm talking about parents, we condition our kids to tell us about the drama of the day. And if we're really going to be listeners of the Holy Spirit, you can't be wrapped up in drama. You have to have a heart change to be willing to recognize that the first thing I do when I get home and my mom asks me, what happened today? I spend the next five minutes talking about all the negatives, and it consumes me. And that's not a parent's fault, though we might have taught it. And that's not Betty's fault, though she might have done it. That's the condition of our heart. And honestly, what this series does is it causes us to pay attention to our ears. What are you listening for? All the bad stuff? Or are you able to stop and ask, Holy Spirit, touch my ears and show me that Betty's lashing out at me, not because she hates me, but because something in her life is causing her to lash out. And there's pain in her life. And there's someone lashing out on her, which is causing her to lash out on me. And instead of coming home and telling mom all the negative things about her, maybe you should walk in and mom say, what happened today? And you go, Betty had a bad day and Betty took it out on me and she did all this stuff. But I think I just found out the person as the Holy Spirit showed me the pain in her life that I can start praying for. And you can imagine for a mom what that does to her faith to know that her daughter or her son, you might not have a Betty, you may have a Bobby. To know that a son says, I heard the Holy Spirit show me pain today, and I don't know what to do yet, but I do know who to pray for, and I do know that the Father wants to touch my heart, and it could be something as easy as, Father, I need you to forgive me as I want to be angry and I want to be mad, but teach me how to forgive her. Show me how to walk in grace and truth. Show me how to love her more because I see the pain she's in. I want you to pray for your mouth. Holy Spirit is going to show us how to pray for our ears, how to pray for our heart, and I want you to start praying for your mouth. That all of a sudden, that life begins to come out. Mom, God's going to touch Betty's life. Will you pray with me as we pray for Betty? We have Bettys in our life right now. That's funny right there. That's funny. We got, we got Bettys acting like Bettys, okay? And, and maybe that's not funny. And... and we as a family sometimes have to come together and it's easy to get angry and it's easy to get bitter and it's easy to get resentful and it's easy to put up a wall. But when God begins to show us there's pain there, it touches our heart and the next thing it touches our mouth. You can't be good news for somebody if you're talking about them behind their back as you're angry. But the only way we speak life is when life lives in our heart. When I was in the ninth grade, there was a boy by the name of Sean Jeter. Sean was a dork. He really was. He was, he was my, and I, I use that seriously because we were. We did 4-H together. We played football together. His dad was my favorite science teacher of all time, Mr. Jeter. By far, his dad and mom were so stinking cool, but Sean was different. He was, he was, he was, it was your buddy that your mom said, Sean's your brother. Kenny Ragsdale was my brother. Uh, Tracy Wilson was like a brother. All these guys were my brother because we all rode the same bus and we all did life together and we raised animals together and we did all these things together. 
But Sean was that guy that you're like, if you could have picked brothers, you wouldn't have picked Sean. Okay? And Sean would run his mouth. Then there was John. John Murray wasn't our friend, but he played middle linebacker, and I was outside linebacker. And John was 6'2", 6'3", and his shoulders were at least seven foot wide. And John was mean. And I'll tell you why he was so mean. But you didn't mess with John. And Sean, during a dodgeball tournament, just mouthed off to Sean. And I was right there. And I really felt like Sean, Sean was about to get his butt whipped, but I felt like if I got involved, at least I was a linebacker with John to where he would go, yo, Bean, you're cool. Okay? Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> and so I pushed Sean back, and I stood up, and I stood right to John. And I was about to say something like, Sean's an idiot. Don't listen to him. And as I'm standing there, John just hits me. And we're talking one step roundhouse right in the jaw. And I wore braces. It was unblocked. I had no, I had no athleticism. I had no dodge. It was just full punch right there by this full-grown man-child. And I went down. Boom! I hit hard. I never will forget, I'm laying on the ground thinking, oh my gosh, John just knocked me down. I can't stay down. I got to be a man. And I went to get up and my buddy, Robbie Hotling, jumped on top of me and laid on top of me and spoke in my ear and said, just stay down. <laughs> and so in my head, I went like this, like trying to get up and I went, Pfft. I laid there. After it all went away, John took off, went and got on the bus and I went to the bathroom and I literally had to peel my mouth out of my braces like that. Blood's coming all over the place. A coach went and got John off the bus, pulled him out. John's in trouble. I went home. The next day, the principal calls me in the office. And here's why I tell you the story. John was mean, super mean. But when I went home that night, at ninth, in the ninth grade, I still had a relationship with Holy Spirit that was innocent and pure and I had been taught by my pastor and my mother and all these people that I knew salvation and Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit had filled my life. And that night, I began to ask Holy Spirit, what do I do? What do I do? And he began to show me. Even the ninth grade. In the ninth grade, all night, I prayed for John. And he prepared me for the next day. And the next day, we got called into the office and I thought it was a very bad call on my principal who called me in and John's sitting there and his mom's sitting there and the principal made a poor judgment call. He said, we're just going to leave you boys alone. And they, my mom and principal left. And I thought that was just awful principaling right there, okay? So I'm in the same room with John and I said, how are you? And John was there to apologize so they'd let him back in school and he didn't even get to get the words out. I remember this to this day. I've told the boys this story, I don't know how many times. I said, how are you? And it was like in his life, he had never heard those words before. Now I know I just got decked by John. My, my face just still feels it. Yeah, it still does to this day, still feels it. And John opened up and there was something deeper. We all, know John, we all knew John was abused, but you got to remember, this was the 80s. This was the 80s that if your dad just whipped the crap out of you, 
all the other dads, not all the other dads, but most of the dads just figured it was a rite of passage. You probably deserved it. If any kids in here grew up in the 80s or earlier and you just got the snot whipped out of you with a belt or a fly swatter or, or their hand, it was just a part of the, it, the 80s. It wasn't right. It wasn't good. There was other men who said, no, 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 we don't do that to our children. But this was a whole new thing. If you grew up in it's like the 70s or 60s, you, you might have grown up in this era. And I'm just going to tell you, that is not how you raise children. And John Murray was this kid who every day he got went home, it went past the belt and it was a fist. And John literally got the crap beat of him every night by his dad and it made John mean. And I said, how are you? And he said, I'm angry. I said, because of your dad. Because I knew, because I knew. And it surprised him that, he, that I knew. And he said, how'd you know? And I said, John, we, we know. And John started telling me, about I can't go home without him being angry. I can't go home without him being drunk. I don't look forward to school being out. I don't look forward to football games so dad can point out all the things I, done, I, I did wrong. I make every tackle, every sack. But I know at some point I'm going to be in trouble because I didn't make an interception. I get, the, I get beat when I get home. And John lifted his shirt and showed me the bruises on his back, punch marks, belt marks, the whole deal. And John and his brother were mean, tough. You didn't mess with these guys. But now you know why they were so mean. And you had every reason to be angry, but I wasn't angry. You know why? Because understanding moved me to compassion. And a lot of us are angry. We're angry at everybody. We're angry because they chose this, because they are this, because they declared this, because they voted this way, because they did these things. Because, and you will never be the person God wants you to be in spirit and truth if you continue to walk in adversary to the spirit of God, which is grace and truth. And you will never walk in compassion for people, which Jesus did, who nailed him to a cross, and he did not call 10,000 angels from heaven to destroy those crucifying him because he knew how they got here. And he had love for them. And you can move with compassion too on some of the hardest people. The, John Murray died 10 years ago. And John Murray and I had a great relationship. He, he considered me a friend from the ninth grade on, but his torment at home caused so many other issues in his life. I never got to tell him about Jesus. You gotta remember, it's a ninth grader. But I never forget, we became friends by listening and talking. And to this day, I, I, I pray, I've prayed I don't know how many times for John Murray, but I wish I'd have been the guy that would have showed up and said, hey, would you like to go out to eat? Because remember that day that you shared with me the pain you were going through? I haven't been through what you've been through, John, but I know somebody who has. And this is what he would want me to tell you. I didn't get to say that to John Murray. But can I tell you this? I've got to say it to hundreds, if not thousands of other men who reminded me a lot of John Murray over the years. High school rodeo dads, high school rodeo kids, 
Camp Crossfire kids, Camp Crossfire counselors, all because God showed me the value of just being able to listen to someone. God doesn't just want you to pray for yourself. He wants you to pray for people. So many Christians are known for speaking and not listening. But what we're listening for, and we're asking God to touch us. God, show me how to listen for struggles, for frustrations, for loneliness. God, show me how to listen to their story. I want so much everybody to know my story. I want so much for everybody to notice me. God, remove this from my life and show me as I listen these fascinating stories that are all around me. In fact, let me just tell you, there's a lot of people when it comes to their faith just wants things to happen right now. And it's like cooking a steak and you, you're, a se- you're, you're a seasoned person. And we just want to season the steak, flip it, season the steak, put it on the grill, flip it, and this is eating it, and it's gone. And this is, this is sometimes how we have our faith. For everybody in the room that you were taught, you've got to witness to people because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. You've got to witness to people. You've got to lead them to Jesus because you don't know when Jesus is coming back. There's nothing wrong with that. I agree. We live in times that you don't know what tomorrow has. And if we could just witness to people and tell them about Jesus, cook them, flip them, get them to heaven, whew, let's move to the next one. And I get it. I get it. But you're missing out on something very important. God doesn't want you to have a season gospel. God also wants you to know about the marinade gospel. And you know what the marinade gospel is? To where there are going to be those people that we're asking you to start being a blessing in their life. Begin with prayer. Listen to them. Eat with them. Serve them. And then share your story. Which this may take a while. And it may take some time. But a marinade soaks in to where, who do you think they're going to call after they accept Christ as their Savior to get them through the faith struggles and the faith issues? And if we just shake and bake them, oh no, no, shake and anti-bake, that's what we're looking for, right? Shake and anti-bake. We're never going to understand that there is something about the marinade of relationship. I have some of these friends in my life who are still struggling with their faith. I have one in particular that goes to our church every Monday night. I've been in his life since he was in high school. I've been his pastor since he was a high school rodeo kid. We have this incredible relationship, and he tells everybody that I'm his longest friend but he has these struggles. But our life together is based on a marinade. He's the most hard-headed, stubborn little sucker you've ever known. And God's not done with his life yet. And you've got people like that in your life too. I want you to begin with prayer. I want you to listen to him. I want you to take him out to eat. The fact is, is that Jeff is going to continue this next weekend. But I wanted to kind of jump in here a little bit. 
I want you to go to a place to where you can eat, break bread, share with one another, listen closely. This eating together is very biblical. In fact, it's probably one of my most enjoyable things of the Blessed series. Begin with prayer. Listen and say, hey, would you like to go out to eat? Let's talk about this. But I want to show you something found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, about the very first church and how they multiplied and grew. And listen to the details of this story. They devoted themselves to the apostles, to their teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You could stop right there on that sentence and break it down. The details, the teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer, all based on being very devoted to the apostles and how God was using them. But verse 43 continues. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I think that's so cool. Every day, how often? Every day. They continued to meet together and in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Right now, somebody in the room is saying, I could do that. I could do that. If you think about my friend and him inviting a friend and me inviting another friend, if it's just me and him or me and her, I could sit down and eat and we could break bread together. And I can listen. And I can allow Holy Spirit to coach my heart and coach my ears to what to listen for. And I can begin with prayer. Father, use me. Don't let me mess this up. That's been a many a prayer in my life. God, don't let me mess this up. And he never has. He never has. But Father, show me how to pray for that person. I would like to invite the church to do something with me. The worship team's coming up. And recently, something really cool has happened in my life. Um, I, I have a specific diet. It has worked for me in a really cool way. I love my diet. You probably would not like my diet. It's bland. It's boring, but it's good for me. And anytime someone calls and says, hey, would you like to go out to eat? I can't because some of the things that are available to me aren't exactly good for me. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, yeah. But I've learned how to do something. I have a really good friend who I've seen his life in doing what I've started doing in my life. He goes out to eat, but he doesn't eat the same thing everybody else does. He stays consistent on his diet. 
and I pre-cook my food. I put it in my little Tupperware. It's so cute. You'd be so proud of me. And I know exactly what I'm going to eat for that day. And I have people call me and say, can we meet with you, Pastor Todd? And we started something at Cowboy Junction that I just want to be the one that steps out and does something that you would turn and go, I could do that. I, could, I, I see Ty leading the way. If you call and you say, Ty, could I talk to you about something? Our secretary is trained. CG is trained. Ty can meet with you, but he would like to meet with you for lunch. Can you go get food, bring it to the church, and he's going to eat his food, and he'll probably steal some of your french fries, okay? And you eat your food while he eats his food, and his lunch time is the best time for him to meet. Now, for everybody that says, can you meet at 6.30 at night? No, I can't because I want to go be with my family. But I can meet at noon. And let me just tell you about people who want to meet at 6.30. You're going to eat at lunch anyway. And I'm kind of tired of people who plan for 6.30 and then have to cancel because the cable guy could only come at 6.30 and you have to cancel with me. So I figured if you, it's that important, the cable guy is not that important. But you get a lunch and I get a lunch. And so here's what I'm offering to the whole church. If you'd ever want to sit down with Ty, if you'd ever have to like to have lunch, would you please call the church and say, I'd like to have lunch with Pastor Ty. And you bring your food and I'll bring mine. And when you got to get back to work, then I got to get back to work and we can have lunch together. Now, there may be somebody who calls and says, hey, I'm, I want to talk about marriage. And you've called, you said, I'd like to talk about marriage. And I'll ask you, do you think we can sit down with so-and-so and we can all three sit down? And you would have to agree with it. And it would just be a bunch of people trying to follow Jesus in their marriage during lunch. If you'd ever like to have lunch, would you please call the church? And I would love to sit down and break bread with you. That's what we're going to do at Cowboy Junction Church.